It was snowing again. Big, fat flakes, like the fake kind that you see in movies and on TV shows, but hardly ever in real life, were drifting slowly toward the ground. Occasionally, some would get caught up in a little puff of wind and be sent sailing back up into the sky where they danced around for a few moments, before beginning their eventual downward spiral to the earth. I stood on the sidewalk, smoking, and watched the snowflakes as they performed their aerial ballet of pirouettes and somersaults. I loved watching the snowfall. It was a magical thing. And I wondered if it were true that no two flakes were exactly the same. I thought that it probably was, but on some subatomic level, that required a lot of high-powered microscopes, and so was hardly worth discussing. I also wondered if it were true that the Eskimos had over 100 words for snow. I had heard that the Hawaiians had at least 139 different words for rain, which I couldn't understand at all. What was so special about rain that it needed so many words? Rain wasn't magical. Rain didn't float and waltz in the air the way that snow does. Rain didn't create a silent blanket of icy whiteness that made everything it covered, even old tires and junked-out cars, look clean and elegant. Rain was just... wet. Then again, I suspected that the Hawaiians never saw much snow. What you gonna do? Goo-goo-gajoob. A gust of arctic air slapped me hard across the face, and so I pulled the wool collar of my jacket up tighter under my chin. I cast my eyes down the street and across the road to the town square, where someone had built a snowman on the lawn of the courthouse. It was a thing of beauty, a classic, with charcoal eyes and buttons and two gnarled old twigs stuck in the side for arms. It made me smile. See, I thought, snow was special. You couldn't create something like that out of rainwater. Ice, maybe, but ice was really closer to snow than to rain. I reckoned to myself that this was probably the last good snowfall of the year. Oh, there might be another one, a small one, but it was already late February and drawing near the end of the snowy season, and it depressed me a little to think of the coming thaw and with it all the slush and mud and gunk that would follow, coating the streets in a rusty brown sludge that made everything it touched turn ugly and dirty. I tamped the dad out on the heel of my shoe and put the unsmoked butt back in the pack, and then I turned and slowly started up the sidewalk toward the barber shop. It was my brother-in-law's place, and my place of employment ever since I'd breezed into town a couple of months ago. In the back of my mind, I'm sure I must have heard the Cadillac pull up and stop, and then the car door slam shut, but not in the conscious part, the part that mattered the most. And so I was startled when I turned and nearly ran smack into Mr. Townsend, the owner of Townsend's fine jewelry. The old man must have been just as flummoxed to see me as I was to see him, because he gave a little shriek, and then quickly reeled back against the Cadillac to avoid a collision and banged his head. That caused him to drop the small black attaché case that he'd been holding, and it went skittering across the frozen pavement like a hockey puck, and then slammed into the brick wall of his store. It sprung open on impact with the wall, like a piñata, and all sorts of expensive gold and diamond necklaces, bracelets, and rings spewed out of it and into the snow. Townsend made another squeal of alarm, and he brusquely brushed off my attempt to help him to his feet. Instead, he scrambled over the ice to the snowbank, 
where the jewelry had been unceremoniously vomited, and began to furiously dig, like a dog looking for his bone in the dirt, for the trinkets. He waved his arms and growled, I got it, I got it, when I drew too near. Only when he had gathered the last of his gems and had placed them safely back into his case and locked it, did he allow me to help write him. Are you okay, Mr. Townsend? I said, as I brushed the snow off of his heavy overcoat. Yes, I think so, Townsend grunted, without even pausing to acknowledge my presence. Damn city should clear these sidewalks. And you, you should watch where you're going. Although I didn't really feel that I was in any way at fault, the old man's commanding tone was such that I found myself muttering, Yes, sir, and then hung my head down low, as if in shame. This act of contrition seemed to assuage Townsend's bruised ego. After all, he was one of the richest men in town, and a man that was used to people bending to his will.